You're listening to the Routine Project Podcast, where I, your host, Justin Crawford, am getting into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, celebrities, and so many more with one mission in mind, understanding their routines so we can get into building the ones that make the most sense for us. This is the one podcast that's hyper-focused on routines and routines only. What's cool is I feel like we're learning with the guests of the show because sometimes they come on here and they don't even know that they have these routines. I'm excited you're here to learn something new, so thank you for clicking play wherever you're tuning in. Now here's today's episode. Everyone, you're back for another episode. Uh, This is the Routine Project Podcast, and I'm Justin, and I'm so excited you're here. If you're here for the first time, thank you for clicking play. Uh, There's a billion podcasts out there, and you chose this one. Uh, Maybe because you saw the name Jason Harris, I'm so excited he's here with us right now. Uh, He's the co-founder and CEO of Mechanism, which is an amazing advertising agency. I'll have him tell you more about here in just a moment. Uh, He's also the author of The Soulful Art of Persuasion, which are the 11 habits that will make anyone a master influencer. Perfect person to have on a podcast called The Routine Project because habits are everything to help build your routines. So Jason, I first want to say thank you for joining me on the podcast. Of course, and man. I'm really excited to get to know you. There's so many accolades that I could be reading off right now, which I'll save till we get a little bit more into the conversation. But you got to tell us about your uh, entrepreneur journey to begin with. And then, I mean, listen, I'll have a lot of soulful questions for you uh, to follow that. All right. You got it, man. So, um, I was, uh, you know how a lot of people aren't sure what career path they're going to take in their life. Mm. I was, I was always, uh, I always knew I wanted to go into advertising. So, um, I was a big, when I was growing up, I was big into, um, what, what I considered branding at the time, which was like, uh, I love David Bowie and I loved his, you know, uh all his music i love but i would i I always loved the way he crafted this like image and persona and he created these new characters for each album and that to me i didn't really know it but that was like it was really branding he was branding a concept Mm. or an album and it's the same technique that you would use when you're trying to create a brand for a company or an image and that kind of got me going and then um I I really found that um uh well the other thing is when I was growing up I watched a lot of TV like I was a, I was a TV junkie mm-hmm. that's a bad that's a bad routine for your routine listeners out there but uh that my parents were academics so I was kind of going against them and like that was my way of, of growing up I I loved entertainment and um uh they uh you know my parents hated whenever i watched like movies and tv because they they just read books all day long Mm. and so i love those things that would happen in between the shows which you know tv is not big now but it was big when i was growing up and so between loving music and how how um different bands or recording artists crafted their image and then watching the you know commercials in between i was like all right there's something here that's like drawing me to this world and so i as soon as i started working i worked at different uh agencies and i would keep a journal and notebook of i knew i wanted to be an entrepreneur and start my own thing Mm. but i would keep a journal of like 
the way people led their businesses and what I liked and didn't like about the bosses I had and the managers I had and their style. I know I was like a nerd. I would geek out on it. Like, oh, that town hall really was cool because he's, you know, he or she presented the vision of the company and we're living that vision or this manager is, you know, creates anxiety or leads by fear. And I don't really like that culture. And so I would keep that knowing mm -hmm. that one day I was going to start my own thing. And so um, I was a solo preneur before I co-founded Mechanism with uh, three other people. And my first business that I started was really a production business that was doing branded content. And so mm. we would create TV shows for brands like Levi's, uh, Xbox, um, Adidas. And then we would sell the inventory from that production um, to like uh, a network and they would, mm. they would get the production for free. And then they would sell advertising against that production. And then I'd get paid by the brand to make the content. So I started that business and I did it all by myself. The invoicing, hiring the production teams, you know, pitching the clients. And about 18 months, that's why I know you're on your own. And some people are made for the solopreneur lifestyle. Mm. But for me, I really felt a, like pretty lonely and burned out. And I was like burning the midnight oil. And had a pretty successful company. But then uh, with three other friends, we started uh, Mechanism, which is an advertising agency. Mm. And I, I found that by, you know, having one skill set and then bringing on other complementary skill sets to run a business, that worked better for me. So mm. still entrepreneur, but for me, I need I need partners because I feel like I work best in collaboration than, than on my own. Mm. We started Mechanism and you know, some of that journaling I did in the past led to the values. When we set up the company, we had seven core values and we still have those values today. And now we're, you know, we got five offices, 250 people work with big brands like Jose Cuervo, Ben and Jerry's, et cetera, et cetera. So now we're kind of off to the races, but it, it's a journey. You know, it was a lot of trials and tribulations to get to where we are now. Mm, I love hearing stories like that. There's like, there is something so special about trying entrepreneurship on your own first, kind of weed out what you don't like, what you're good at, what you what like, what pieces you can and cannot and should and should not be doing. You know what I mean? Because you're right. You you said it. There's like only so many things that you can be so skilled at, and then you should go find people that like to do the other things, like invoicing or whatever. You know, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Did you at some point realize how? Uh, how you were making routines happen for yourself as a businessman? I uh, I did, but I kind of go, I was a late bloomer on routines. I was much more of a um, live in the, live in the present moment, tackle the problem at hand, mm. you know, kind of just like plow ahead. I wasn't super strategic and I didn't really focus on routines, which I, in in the more recent years I've really focused on. And it's been so much more enjoyable and so much more successful when you have that routine. Also, one note uh, on the solopreneur thing. When I started the business that I did on my own, it was a very different time. And today, you can be a successful solopreneur because there's so many um, ways to outsource a lot of what I was doing back in the day that wasn't available at the time. 
So, well, you know, yeah. outsourcing finance, outsourcing, you know, design and and there's all types of, um, you know, virtual ways you can do the things that I couldn't do back in the day. Yeah. And so I think it's much easier now to be able to do it on your own and then hire complementary skill sets because the the, you know, gig economy is so much more robust than it than it was when I started uh, mm. back in the day. But yeah, now routines are really kind of save my save my soul in like keeping my mind balanced and i was just when we first started just kind of just running like not mm -hmm. super strategic and routines really help you with the strategy the only thing i did think as i mentioned earlier as a routine that i still uh leverage is i'm a hardcore journaler and mm. so I don't really retain a lot of information without writing it down. And so when I write down, you know, my hit list and things that I want to accomplish, uh, like I said, the values that made up the company, if, if you don't write those things down to me, they sort of get lost in the ether of your brain yep. and, and really always keeping a book and journaling, I think, is is one habit that's really important for for business owners to to have at hand. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's old school. You know, it's like you can make notes. You can use Evernote. You can make you know. You can leverage all the tools that you might have at your disposal. But I think having a a journal is really important. You know, what other tools would you say you've kind of held on to this whole time? Because you say like. You say tools and my brain's like, oh my God, there's like 1500 million things out there that we could be using as people who work, you know, especially if you own and operate a company or you found it and are the CEO of a company. It's like, you know, you have specific tools, I'm sure. But what have you held on to all this whole time? Yeah, yeah. Well, like the journal thing went from like a book journal to like, I use like, you know, there's uh, remarkable notebooks. Oh yeah. You know, those are, yeah. So those are just like digital journals and they- um, you know, you can transcribe things into type and it links up with your, in the cloud, you, you keep all your files. So that's like the modern day of journaling, um, today, but, but routines, if, if that's what you want to talk about, like my kind of routines that I've developed. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I don't know if you focus on, you know, for me, routines have to be done, uh, habitually, you know, that's how they become. Uh, second nature, you know, mm -hmm. you, you got to do them like on the regular. And so I, I, there's three things I do every day. And those three things are, uh, and you know, I, this isn't anything breakthrough because everyone talks about similar things, but mm -hmm. I read every day for 30 minutes. I work out every day for 30 to 45 minutes. And I meditate every day for 15 to 20 minutes. And I have to check those three things off at some point in my day for me to feel like I was, I won the day. Mm. I feel like I had a productive day outside of everything else. Those are three things I have to do. And one of them, you know, working out is uh, really about the physical aspect. Meditation is really about clearing your mind so that you have the ability uh, to really focus and not burn out and get things done. Mm. And what meditation does for me is it slows uh, time down. 
and which mm-hmm. is really important when you're running a business. To me, it makes it makes things happen in slow motion so that you're able to react in the way that you want to react when you deal with problems or people or issues. That's one thing that it's really done for me. It helps you focus and it slows slows things down. And then reading is just that constant um, desire to learn and improve upon uh, what you what you think you know. Mm. I love the meditation note too. I mean, a lot of times, especially when you're in such a high, fa- I mean, advertising is such a quick s- industry. Yeah, so it's happen- everything happens so fast and it's nonstop. You need to talk to like a teacher. Things are a little bit slower for a teacher's job. You know what I mean? But yeah, you're in yeah, exactly. you're in an industry that's like always about uh, planning. You know, you got to have like massive foresight into the next year or even two for what's happening with business. And then you got to bring it all the way back down to day to day. Um, do you ever get overwhelmed? And is, I, I understand that like the 15 to 20 minutes of meditation helps as a business person, but even then like anybody who's a CEO or like running teams and has like a big operation of a company these days, right? There are moments where I'm sure you're kind of sitting there like, yeah, I don't, I, you know, I'm kind of stressed or I need to like figure something oh, yeah. out, you know, because we've had so many CEOs on the show that I'm like, I always want to know what you guys, what your vices are in terms of how you go from like full speed entrepreneur to uh, not so stressed. And how do you deal with that? Yeah. So I, um, there's been, you know, there's certain times when I get so overwhelmed that I wouldn't say it feels like a panic attack because I've never had a panic attack. So I wouldn't know what that feels like, but it, I would imagine it feels like almost the start of that where you're like, you know, your, your, your body sort of gets tense. You're not sure what to start, how to prioritize. You're not sure what to start with, what to do first. Mm. And when that happens to me, I, um, I get up and I leave my office no matter what, I'll cancel a meeting and I'll do a walk around New York and then I'll come back and start over. So it's almost like a reset. I have to hit the reset button. And that uh, that has been pretty effective as a as a habit for me. I try not to do it too often, but sometimes when I get that feeling of yeah. being overwhelmed and that pit in my stomach and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I just don't know what to do. Something ain't right, yeah. Something ain't right. I just remove myself from the situation and then try to come back and attack it again. Mm. Well, you bring up a good point, which is that like, you're not going to know when those stomach pit feelings happen, you know? And I think today more, more than ever, we're all trying to still work around, um, you know, whatever business schedule makes sense for your, your company, but you just never know when certain things pop up. And, and oftentimes on this podcast, we're trying to find the balance of like happy, healthy, wiser lifestyles, even when you're a working professional, because more importantly, like you had said, if you know that like damn well you're stressed it's time to take a break and cancel that meeting and sometimes people are always avoiding uh to tapping and leaning into that whatever that feeling is uh in your soul okay speaking of soul yeah do you ever have that feeling by the way yeah every day like i went to a um i started the work day i just got back from vegas yesterday Jason. And, and, and I was like, ah, like, listen, past two days of my life were the best days of my life. And I should have taken today off. And I was like, no, like, I just want to, I want to do this. And so in order 
to get on this call and like really podcast with you, I did have to take a couple hours earlier and go uh, to this place. It's called Lake Shrine up here in LA. And I just kind of sat with everything and was like, yeah, I was like, could I have been productive and work? Sure. But I can do that stuff tomorrow, you know? So it's like, I think people need to be very flexible and, and forgiving with themselves. Cause I was like, I'm tired. I don't need to, you know, work my bones to the ground. Like I got tomorrow, you know, for some of those deliverables. And, I and that. I often try to preach that to people, especially if you're listening too. I mean, you hear it from Jason and myself now. It's like a lot of times you don't know when you're going to have certain things in your life happen that you can't control. You don't know when you're going to want to just take the day off or, you know, take, you know, take care of yourself in certain ways, you know? Um, and it's like, been cool. To I like that. I like that. that you have that place where you can go to that. Like that's a, it's important to have a place like that. Mm. that you feel like you can go to. Well, in New York, uh, it was the West side highway. It was the bottom of battery yeah. park and uh, where you can see the Liberty statue. Yeah. That's a great place. So I love that. I love that. It's like environmental yeah. vices, you know, or like here here in yeah. LA, it's like San Diego. Or for you, it might be the mountains up yeah. north. Who knows? And I think we we're 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 a little too um recycled in, in our thoughts around what what's gonna give us, you know, that, you know, or like the quick dopamine hits from going out with your friends in New York. It's just like it doesn't serve you as a business person ever. And I remember the days in New York, it was that way all the time, you know, and you probably see it every day. It's it, you, you were gotta going out all the time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't too healthy. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, I'm gonna go back to work tomorrow to problems that I can't even figure out how to solve because I was in a I was in a noisy environment when I was trying to figure it out and now yeah. I'm like, um, you know yeah i love i i like i like what you're saying but you have to you know the other i think the other thing is a entrepreneur or a business owner uh is or you know working at a company you always have to realize that um nothing's ever in a state that you want it to be in uh -huh. and you have to get really comfortable with you know, you're always going to have that like fixed list of like, these are the five things that are broken. And I need to kind of start rattling off how I'm going to approach those. But when those five things are done, there'll be like four other things that pop up. And then when those four things are done, there'll be eight new ones that are a problem. And so mm. you have to get really comfortable, uh, you know, mentally and physically that it's never going to be this nirvana state of where you want it. It's always going to be a work in progress. So beautifully said. And that really allows you to let go a little bit and not be on edge that there's this thing I really have to fix or this there's this problem or I got to get, I got to replace this person, whatever it might be. Yeah. You got to give yourself the freedom that that's going to take time and there'll be, you plug one hole and there's another hole and it's never going to be the way that you want it to be. So yeah. Um, that helps you mentally like relax into it a little bit. Cause there's growth periods too. I always say things happen in seasons and you're probably the same way, especially in business, like quarterly seasons, of course, but in general, like, yes, you want to build this company. Yes. You want to hire these people. And yes, you want to scale to this amount or work with these specific advertisers. And sometimes those things naturally happen, right? Especially in business. To me, business has always just meant money. And so to be honest with you, I kind of wanted to take a massive sabbatical, which you and I can talk about offline because oh, in a lot of what I'm discovering in podcasting, it's like, thank God I've turned this into a career because if I didn't, I would be, I would probably still be at NBC and none of my friends are there anymore. So it's like, whatever. But uh, I start thinking, I'm like, what's the point? 
You know, if you have a purposeful company, amazing, right? But most most of the time it's, you know, it's the creativity. Like you're a master creative, so you can appreciate this, but it's like the creative uh, community building and and you're amazing as an entrepreneur to even provide jobs for people. Like these are the bigger things that I'm sure you don't often think about because you're in the day-to-day but I, from a podcasting standpoint or like an interviewer, I'm a very observer. That's actually should be my title in life. I observe everything. And I'm noticing that like you just said, it's like you're never going to be in this nirvana state of like, oh, great, everything's good, right? But if you switch that perspective back a little for everybody listening, it's like you do have an opportunity to say, well, I'm very proud of where this is. Here's where I know we can improve, where we want to grow, where we want to go, then you just take baby steps and just imagine like you have the rest of your life, you know, unless you want to retire in like 10 years, then you better fucking put your foot on the gas. Right. But I've always said that ever, and you're, you're like a lot of great people that come on this podcast to, to then explain your side of it. But the common denominator always is that you guys have, you're fueled by the opportunity to continue to grow, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, not to mention that you're an author. I wanted to bring that up. All so right on. when you thought about this book, The Soulful Art of Persuasion, first, I thought it was a sales book. Then you have the subtitle, the, the 11 Habits That Will Make Anyone a Master Influencer. So starting with the title, my friend, like where, where did that come from? Why did you decide to write a book? And my last question, which is kind of interesting, and, and back to what you said, was it a compilation of all the journaling that you did when you were observing people that you worked for? I mean, there is a lot of that in there. So yes, but, and in a way it is a, it's like a self-improvement book. It's a book about habits, which is perfect to be talking about on Mm -hmm. routine. Uh, But it is also about, it is, uh, it's not a traditional book about selling, but it is about in all aspects of our life where we're persuading all day long. And so you're persuading uh, whatever the gig you're working on in the Hamptons in the summer that you can handle that gig and mm. you're, you're trying to land that uh, job or you're persuading someone to come on your podcast or to promote your podcast or whatever business you're in or you're persuading your you know friend to take a trip to Vegas but he wants to go to Seattle or she wants to go to Seattle or whatever all day long, we're persuading. We're persuading our boss to give us a promotion. We're persuading that client to hire us. Wow. That is just the way we are in life. Like, we don't know it, but all day long, we're we're in this, like, cosmic dance of persuasion. And so this was my, if I look at advertising as the kind of pinnacle of um, persuasion, we are persuading clients to buy an idea that we then have to get consumers to like that idea to buy that product or service to grow the business that hires us. That's right. And so that's like a very um, fine high point of persuasion. And I was like, if I can break down some of those techniques for, you know, every everyday people, those techniques might help them become better persuaders in whatever aspect of life they're in. And so that was really the idea behind the book. It's like, what did I learn in 20 years of doing this that I can help uh, other people bring to life? And so that was, that was really the idea. The episode you're listening to is sponsored by Native. I just love the feeling of soaking up the sun this time of year, and I'm sure you do too. But with all the time in the sun, we all begin to worry about protecting our skin. 
but with Native, we can give our skin the protection it needs and soak up that much-needed sun, especially as summer is right around the corner. As someone who routinely plays volleyball every weekend, Native sunscreen has legitimately made me feel like I have one less thing to worry about so I can have the time of my life with the sport I love. Native's quickly absorbing ultra-sheer hydrating and lightweight sunscreen formula offers broad-spectrum SPF 30 protection from UVA and UVB sun rays. All Native sunscreen is made with 20% active zinc oxide formula that is dermatologist tested and suitable for sensitive skin. All Native sunscreen is made with oils derived from plants that seal in skin moisture and is vegan and cruelty free. You can choose from one of Native's three delicious and subtle scents like coconut and pineapple, which is my favorite, rose or sweet peach and nectar for your face and body, or you can try their unscented option too. As I'd mentioned, coconut and pineapple is my favorite, but I've also used the unscented one because sometimes you just don't want to smell like sunscreen, or you might like the smell of certain scents too. It's the absolute best thing. I use it all the time, and it's easy to carry anywhere you want to take it. It's not like one of those big bottles. They actually come in really nice small tubes for you to take wherever you're heading. Give your skin the protection it deserves today with Native's Mineral Sunscreens. You can go to native.com slash routine or use the promo code routine at checkout and you'll get 20% off your first order. Give your skin the protection it needs with Native's Mineral Sunscreens and all you have to do is go to nativedeo.com slash routine or you can just use the promo code routine at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's nativedeo.com slash routine or just use that promo code routine at checkout. Sometimes it can get confusing, so I'll say one last time, nativedeo.com slash routine, or use that promo code routine. Behind it. That's great. And it's like the helpful, the helpful habits, right? And I love that you say that it's this, I mean, we don't think about it until it's brought up. Like right now, life is about persuading. If you're going to try and do anything, even going to Vegas, like you're exactly right. You got to convince, I convinced my flight person friend who was helping book the trip, like convincing them to barter with me to make it a free flight. And I can share that story later on another day. It's and like, did you get it? Heck yeah. Oh, dude. So you got some persuasion technique. Everybody's right always like, you're so funny. I'm going to grab your book. Everybody who's oh, okay. listening, we're linking it in the show notes below, by the way. And a lot of um, what I will exactly link is a very interesting way of how uh, a book landing page was put together and I'm obsessed with it. And crazy enough, um, I'm actually, as we're, as we're talking right now, looking through uh, Jason's website for the book. And if you scroll, you'll notice that um, one of our friends, Ruben Rojas, sound familiar, Jason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. This world's really small. Anyway, I'm going to link the book below everybody. Okay. It's a really amazing read and and we'll be sure to uh, get you guys all of this stuff below too. More on Jason for sure. But in the meantime, you said it just a second ago, dude, like how nice is it to know that when you have the awareness that everything is a persuading game, technique, whatever you want to call it, you can find mastery in that, which is exactly what you're saying. And you you say the word influencer in the t- uh, you know in the subtitle here, and I I thought I was like, oh, master influencer. Like in today's world, that's someone that gets paid to post on Instagram, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I'm no. like, whoa, maybe not so much because influencer means you are influencing, right? So can you break that term down for us for a moment when you yeah that's you know, one you... yeah 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 that's one issue I think with the uh, language that I use. People think it's about the creator economy. It's not. It's about uh, people don't even have to be on social media at all to be influential, but it is about, um, and, and the, the, the reason why I like the, the soulful with persuasion is persuasion and selling 
is a, a bit of a toxic word. Like I think people think, oh, that's like getting people to do th something they don't want to do. And that's right. really not, not what I'm talking about. I, I'm talking about becoming the type of person that has more influence, that is more soulful. And that really comes from uh, kind of four key principles that I talk about in the book. Um, one of them is, uh, and I can break them down super simply, but obviously there's habits that go underneath each of these principles. But uh, being original is the first principle, which is really all about um, being completely yourself and being vulnerable and being mm. able to con connect with other people. Um, the the second one is is having a generosity of spirit, and that is uh, the principle of being generous, which is really about uh, giving things away freely without expecting anything in return. And that can mm -hmm. be your time, advice, you know, for you, it's sharing knowledge with your listeners. Uh, but it's really having this uh, spirit of generosity. Mm -hmm. uh, em empathetic is the third one, which is really about um, collaborating and seeing things from other points of view and really understanding people. Mm -hmm. You call it, you call yourself an observer mm -hmm. uh, and observing and understanding is part of empathy. It's part of being, mm. having an empathetic character because a lot of people don't ob ob observe or listen. That's right. That's you know, right. They just don't. They just go through that. It's this is what I want, and it's very transactional. And when you're empathetic, you start to per persuade and become influential, but it's not transactional. Wow. And then soulful is really another point that you brought up, which is doing something. Uh, bigger than yourself and trying to leave the world a little bit better than you found it. Mm. That's the soulful piece. So it's applying skills that you have to doing something that's good for the world. And that really came to me as an advertising guy by doing um, work, applying the same skills we would use to build a brand and sell tequila or sneakers or deodorant sure. and apply that to um, helping, you know, get people to vote or, you know, doing, doing basically pro bono work using our advertising skills. Mm. Um, so we feel a little bit better when we're selling, uh, toilet paper or entertainment or vacation. <laughs> you know? Sure. Well, that's yeah. the cool thing. You guys are making it a little bit more sexy. And I think a lot yeah. of times people are like, you see ads. I remember I saw something the other day about like a Macintosh back in the day. It was on Instagram and the ad that they had, the video ad where the guy was carrying the big computer and putting it into a tote and walking out of the office. It was weird, but that was what advertising was back in the day. And if anybody knows now, it's like messaging has changed. The times have changed technology, the, the things people want to hear about and actually like convert an advertisement into a purchase or whatever that is. There's so many cool creative ways to do it, which is exciting for not just your business, but the entire industry. Um, you bring up the word skill several times, which is which is great because I feel like a lot of folks need to hear this. But when considering the skills that you are trying to harness and, and monetize and really figure out if that's a sustainable business model for yourself to have those skills and utilize them for clients or whatever the work might be, I mean was there a point where you realized like what you were really good at? And then you just had to tell yourself, all right, I'm just not going to do those other things so that I, cause there's only so much time in the day. You're just one person. And earlier you said like, okay, were you do, you were doing production solopreneurship work and it was all you. 
you know, and a lot of folks can relate to that. If you're listening and you're an entrepreneur, you start something, right? Your brand, your business, what have you. And you get to a point where you're like, oh, I'm doing everything. I, I don't have time to meditate. I don't have time to do these things. Or if you do make too much time for the things that aren't relative to work, you then feel like you're not doing or servicing the projects and the things that you've signed up for. So when it came time for you to like go create this new business with three other co-founders, four, three, you said three, three others. Yeah, yeah. Three others. Four. Yeah, yeah. You're the fourth. And it's like, what was that decision process for you as it relates to your skill set? I think it has to be a a mixture of the best and highest use of your skills. So it's a blend of like what you are actually really good at and that uh, Venn diagram of what you want to be doing. And you have to Mm. try to find that sweet spot of, well, I could be good at this one thing, but I don't. I don't love doing accounting or I don't love, you know, look like being a, a a numbers guy, but I'm good at it, but I don't want to spend my time doing that. So I want someone else to cover that aspect or I love pitching creative ideas and work. So I want to tailor my role into doing more of that. Mm. So it's really, but you also can't, uh, work on something that you're not good at either you know it's a blend That's right. of like what where do your talents lie or what tal- talents can you harness with what you enjoy doing and there'll be like that middle part where there'll be a cross-section of those things and that's what you want to align your your time doing and you want to fill in the rest with either partners or freelancers or outsourcing or whatever to those other parts mm-hmm. but, but you got to be good and it's got to be it has to have desire and skill together, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I and thanks for sharing that because there's so much that everybody can get overwhelmed with, which is a lot of reason why I feel like people don't pull their own trigger to do entrepreneurship. Uh, and you just gave us some insight. I mean, it's exactly right. And then would you even argue that you have to almost go through, I mean, it's interesting how many people go through the solopreneur phase first. Hey, I'm just going to freelance for a couple of years and then I'm going to like start a bit, you know? So like, is that, I think it's, I think it's a smart way to start. Yeah. That, that is, I'm glad I started that way. Uh, cause that allows you to, um, identify your weaknesses and your strengths and then real. And some people love that. Like they'll just, stay on that on that solopreneur train because it it you know really feels good to them for Mm. me i had to do that first to learn that it wasn't for me Mm. so yeah but i think it usually starts there and you said earlier that it was lonely and i i totally hear you and i think a lot of people would and that's interesting like just as much that's why you got to get a free flight to vegas with your friends because you're so funny because you're lonely (laughs) so you got to go do that no, listen, I was going to say, uh, you're exactly right. And just as much ownership as you can take into um, choosing to then go find folks to build with, right? To have a company with other people and build teams and have the day-to-day with teams. I think it's also like, what do you want out of your own work experience? And you wanted community. And so for solopreneurs listening, it's also cool how like you just have, you have just as much ownership in solopreneurship in a way to create your own communities in like unofficial ways, for example, right? So like if you 
if you are a, a digital solopreneur and you are doing, you know, books and you're selling them and you, you know, you want to go and be an influencer and you're like doing your own thing with content or whatever. Okay. Well, you can always work with brands, right? You can always work with your other solopreneur friends on projects or, you know, say you take X client on and you build that team out. Like, like uh, Jason was saying, it's like, yeah, for sure. I think there's ways to do it, but in general, you're right. Day to day, this stuff gets pretty lonely. Uh, just to put that out there, right? It's very. Uh, it's not as. Wait, some not people as are good with that. Are, are you good? You might be good with that. You no, know, I love talking, are. but I get to do uh, this. So, like the day to day with like the podcast services and stuff, amazing. Like it's all me, and it's very lonely. <laughs> but I talk to my clients a lot. There are a lot of my friends actually, and like. I mean, that's a hack in and of itself. I've learned you probably did too. It's like, I like, I only work with people I like. And of course it's not making me millions of dollars, but I only work with people that I I'm obsessed with and I need to be able to call you on a weekend. I should be able to text you and be like, Hey, thinking of you, love you, have a great day, you yeah. know, celebrate your birthday with you. That's the type of people I work with. And so far so good, but like, you know, and then you get this vision of starting a company. I don't know. I've, my parents and I've talked about it. And a lot of people are probably thinking the same thing who are tuning in now. You either want it or you don't, you know, and it's cool yeah. when there, when there's different perspectives and experiences. I've had friends who've been solopreneurs their whole career and like, they're okay being by themselves and doing it on their own. And then I'm like, Oh God, no, I really want people. So my version of that was working with people I like a lot. Well, that that's one decision I made in the business pretty early on, which was if I'm going to spend a lot of time working, I'm going to hire people that are either my friends or people I want to be my friends because working with your friends, although it can get sticky in some places, like if it doesn't work out, but I always believed in hiring friends because you should, you should be at work or partner or work with people that uh, you're going to spend that more time with them than you're going to spend not working. So they've got to be great people and they've got to become your friends or what's the kind of point. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it'll be more fun. I don't think, I think everybody's always like, Oh my God, business is daunting. I was like, doesn't have to be. Got, yeah. Well, you got to like what you're doing. Right. Right. Which is and exactly so, why this, these types of shows exist. And the other thing about, I think when we talk about entrepreneurship there, you can be, you can be entrepreneurial but not be an entrepreneur. Mm. So you could work in an organization and enjoy that and have ideas that you bring into that organization. Like we, at, at Mechanism, we hire what we call creative entrepreneurs. And those are people that are entrepreneurial mm. and they're resourceful and they bring ideas and they can start something, but they don't, may not be entrepreneurs in the in the classical sense of, starting from scratch, being on their own, grinding it out. They might not, that might not be for them, but mm -hmm. you can be entrepreneurial and not be an entrepreneur. I love that. That's important. If anything, you know. just like starting off as a solopreneur being kind of the first good step to take. If you are going to do your own thing, it's cool to like be able to do that within a company too. You know, you can always get your feel for it. You just won't file your own statements and stuff. It's kind of exactly. cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean? And listen, that's a big thing in business in today's world, right? People are just a little bit um, cautious of how they want to like pursue full-time work or whatever that looks like. And the coolest thing is it's kind of like this whole like blood type situation. No one's blood types are the same. and looks the same. And not one person on this planet who lives on this planet, like looks, feels, experiences the same things. Same with careers. And I think 
society almost built up somewhat of like this. Remember back in the day, and you probably heard this in the advertising world, hey, like, oh, go find a mentor. And then you saw yourself trying to mimic that model or that road that they took. Yeah. Hell no. That's not a, that's not supposed to be a thing. Because I used to be like, yeah, Ryan Seacrest. And I tried to follow his model. Within one year of getting out of college, I knew it wouldn't work. You know, and it's like, you can't, I mean, you can have- Oh work. man, I would love to hear what the Ryan Seacrest model is at some point. That's oh my God, we don't have time for it today. That man is busy. Yeah, and yeah. it's interesting, right? I think all of us want to- build something sustainable, but just as much as we're all working and being professionals and doing the things, this again, like back to the purpose of this podcast, at least it's really important to have these conversations where like you meditate 15, 20 minutes a day. Like we know more about you. We love that you wrote a book and you're helping people. It's like, there's so many other components that aren't necessarily work related, right. Or business related rather. Um, and that's important because it's got to be that beautiful, like 50, 50, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I have I have another hack for you, right? I'm switching gears, if that's cool. Um, Please do, because I know this is all. It's about routines, and I I want to drop another routine that I use that works really well, that I think your listeners would benefit from. So, um, I do something. I have this, uh, and and I talk about it in the book, but it's I believe in um, never letting relationships drop to zero, and I think when we're busy and we're working. Think of all those connections and network and friendships that you have a kind of fell by the wayside because you haven't you haven't kept up with them. Mm. And so I do this thing uh, four times a week and I put it in my calendar in my workday where I block out um, in 20 minute increments. I block that out. I do it uh, Monday through Thursday. I put 20 minutes each day on my calendar. And it's for me to reconnect with either a client I pitched and maybe didn't win and I'm not working with mm. old client I did work with, but I haven't been in touch with for a while. A friend that, um, you know, we're still friends because we can pick it back up, but I haven't really reached out. And I spend that time either uh, sending them a message, finding something online that I can email them that's pertinent to what their interests are. And, but I do this technique. So I'm, I'm trying to hit like four people, whether it's personal or professional uh, each week. And it's a way for me to like reach out and stay connect. But I, for me, I have to put it in as a meeting in my calendar or it'll be on a list of stuff that I never get to. And I, and I have that, that's one habit I do um, four days a week. That's been really successful for me. Yeah, I can tell. It's exactly why you're so successful. You know, I think relationships are everything these days. And when you realize that, um, like you'd said, it could be a friend or it could be someone that's in business with you or maybe not, uh, you know, prospective client or whomever. It's the idea that like you give effort, you actually give a frick to, to, to identify someone in their, in their, in their soulship and say, Hey, I hear you. I see you. I want to chat with you. And most of the time, like just that alone will get you to like win a business or work with people. And, you know, it's just, it's more valuable than people think. So thanks for sharing that because that's the point. You know what I mean? Like that is such a powerful routine. We've not even heard on the show or a habit, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. I call it, I call it connect Four, and it's just connect because it's easy to remember. I always love amazing. I'm a marketing guy, connect Four, and it's four, four people a week. And you would be surprised at what comes from that um, outreach 
it's, you know, oh, you know, Justin, I'm so glad you reached out. Actually, I need help with this production or this thing I'm working on. Uh, and they wouldn't have even thought of you because you're kind of off the radar. But I really try to uh, do it in a, well, I remember this person likes, I don't know, what, Disney. So I read this article about, you know, Disney doing something. I'm going to yeah. send it to them and be like, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Even if it's not even like that work has to come from it. It's more of that feeling, that boomerang effect of I'm connecting with someone. I'm thinking about them. They're on my mind. Makes them feel good. Makes you feel good that you're doing that. And uh, kind of works for for uh, everyone. But for me, I've got to make it a habit and practice and schedule it or it doesn't happen. Mm. Yeah. We have I a lot to learn more. from you. Yeah, yeah. That's my, they, that's my thing. Yeah, I love that. I mean, listen, everything you've said has been so valuable. So thanks. And the, the cool thing about these conversations is that they, first of all, they don't go anywhere. They're going to stay on these podcast platforms forever, but people can find so much more about you, uh, which we will be sure to link um, everywhere where they can find more about you, your company, um, and of course, this amazing book. So uh, before we go, I do want to ask you a little bit more about how you feel like you look forward to work. Think it's a great place to end, especially after what you just said. How do you continue to look forward uh, in, in what you're doing professionally? And and you've kind of unpacked a little bit of it earlier, where you mentioned, you know, why you got into this, what keeps you excited about it. But what are you looking forward to? And then how does that keep you like working, you know, in a lively manner day to day? Like, how do I stay motivated? Mm -hmm. Or like, why? Do, how do I? I don't know. I still, I still love the business I'm in. And it was the right path for me. And I still wake up. I still wake up every day. I love to solve problems. So I still wake up every day. What's great about um, the advertising business is there's never a lack of clients. There's millions and millions of companies you can go out and help or companies that come to you or companies that you pitch. And for me, I just get excited uh, to solve problems every day. Mm. And try to crack what is the problem this company is facing and how can marketing or advertising fix that problem or solve that problem. So for me, it's, it still gets me excited because there you, you never do the same thing the same way. So it's always mm. different. So for sure, I'm, I'm still pumped about it. And then, you know, I always think about this quote of, you know, I think it's important of doing what you love and if you're not excited when you wake up, you're either doing the wrong thing or, or you're doing the right thing at the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you should be excited. And, and uh, you know, of course, days suck. Sometimes your work sucks. But on the whole, you should be excited about what you're doing. And as this quote, I've been um, doing a lot of uh, uh, work with the New York Zen Center, which is here in New York, it's this um, uh, Buddhist that's run by these two Buddhist monks. Um, they're awesome. And they're Jewish and gay and they're married to each other. And they have like this whole um, Zen philosophy. But part of and I've been doing some some training with them. But part of this idea is that, you know, preparing for for death is one of the most empowering things you can do. And it really clarifies your life. And so I think when you think of 
we're all going to die. I mean, I know it's kind of morbid, but we're all going to die at some point. So you got to be thinking about each day here, what you're doing each day. Is it making an impact? Are you adding value and are you enjoying what you're doing? Because you have to feel like that every each and every day or you have to shift and find something that gives you that feeling. Wow. Yeah. So I didn't mean wow. to leave, leave on a super heavy note, but it's so, not that heavy. That's amazing. Yeah, Cause it'll yeah. add more, it'll add more, more juice to, to what we've just talked about. I think it's yeah. beautiful. I mean, listen, I host this podcast and then you got, uh, I told you this a bit ago, but we have a new one. That's it's a mental health one. So everything you just talked about is very much in my wheelhouse, way more than businesses. No, uh, and if you're yeah. And if you're tuning in, Jason just gave some very thoughtful, thoughtful, um, notes there too. I mean, I think there's something to be said about the fact that no matter what you're doing professionally, there is going to always be an opportunity to tap into yourself, right. And your purpose and your, and your life's soulful mission. Right. Um, and then everything else is kind of gravy, which I used to hear all the time on another show. It's like everything else will make sense. If you just kind of tap in just a little, uh, and, and figure out day to day, like you said, it's a daily practice of understanding, like what is going to feel fulfilling to you. And sometimes it's not the business stuff, you know? So for me, it's like saying hi to the person at the gym or, you know, seeing people I love or doing this, like having these thoughtful conversations makes my life worth living every day. Um, so hopefully everybody, if you're tuning in now, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. This was Jason Harris. I'm really excited you guys got to meet him. Uh, and more importantly, we'll be sure that you have everything linked below in the show notes for you to continue following what's happening with him, Mechanism, and of course, that book we talked about, which is called The Soulful Art of Persuasion. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, we'll definitely see you guys back here on another episode. Uh, but Jason, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Thanks for having me, Justin. It was awesome. it's Justin again, and that concludes today's episode. I hope you learned something new or exciting about routines, or at least took something away from the guest I had on the show. Now I've got plenty more episodes coming up on this podcast, so be sure to click that follow button wherever you're listening. Oh, and you know how it goes. The show only gets better when I hear from you. So drop a rating and review and let me know what you loved and maybe what we can do better on this podcast to keep you coming back each week. Now, until I get that next episode to you, start building the routines that matter most to you and inspire others to do the same. 